there and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, encouragement for life and mission. My name is Aaron Santemeyer and I'm going to be your host. Today we continue our discussions um, with Pat Hurst on the training competencies and today it'll be we'll discuss the training competency of spiritual formation. And um, this is a time where uh, today the mics will be sw- shifted and um, Pat will be asking me questions. I work um, a little bit with spiritual formation and training and um, looking forward to this. And when he was looking for somebody on this one, he just said, hey, why don't we interview you and uh, kind of switch the direction of the microphone. And um, I realized that giving the answers is a lot more challenging than asking the questions. And so anyway, it was a great time with him. And Ed, uh, I, I talked uh, too much, I think. And um, so we're going to split this one up um, into two different episodes, um, a part A and part B. And uh, once he asked questions, I just kept talking. So anyway, looking forward to this. And there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be again to be here again today with with Pat Hurst. And uh, this day is a little bit different for me because we're flipping the mic a little bit in the sense that um, we're going to be talking about spiritual formation. And Pat had asked if maybe I would be the the person that would get interviewed on spiritual formation. So he's going to be the host, and I'm going to be the interviewee. So Pat, welcome back to the podcast. And I'll, if you would go ahead and just give a description, maybe of the uh, spiritual formation, and then um, I'm going to turn it over to you. <laughs> hey, this is great. This I'm looking forward to this one, Aaron, uh, to uh, turn the mic around and uh, be able to chat with you a little bit about uh, spiritual formation and and just uh, to help our listeners just situate this a little bit. Uh, you know, we have three tracks in our Africa culture uh, of how we are helping people to uh, to develop as as individuals, and so um, we have our growth culture uh, in which we're empowering people to be effective leaders, so that we can be uh, that culture in which uh, every person is being led by and becoming a, a transformational servant leader. Uh, we have our missionary training, which has to do with. Uh, professional development and that's what we've been devoting this series to uh and then we have uh, africa house care and we're uh, caring for people so that they can uh, co- live out their calling in the most hol- holistic and effective way and so all three of those uh, growth tracks are are like a are like a cord and they're all three intertwined and pulling in the same direction as we develop people and interestingly enough they all of the as we focus on missionary uh, training, we're talking about the competencies in this series of what makes for an effective missionary. And spiritual formation uh, integrates really nice with all three of these areas. And so um, Aaron is involved in the spiritual formation part for uh, the leadership growth uh, as the point person for uh, member care, uh, he's uh, in, intimately involved with spiritual formation. And, and then Aaron is on our uh, global uh, spiritual formation competency team. So uh, Aaron is all about spiritual formation. And uh, <laughs> I just felt like rather than going off and running somewhere and finding someone, I cornered Aaron and I said, hey, Aaron, let's uh, let's turn the microphone around and let's... Um, because you're so involved in this, Aaron, and uh, you've got a breadth of experience. Uh, uh, you guys have started out, uh, we first met in West Africa when you were first-term missionaries. And 
we were near the end of our second term and uh, and then now 14 years in Madagascar and yeah. uh, and so I'm looking forward to this um, just to get us started um, when we talk about spiritual formation it's directly linked uh, to our uh, to our goal to our values as, uh, as AGWM and so a couple of those values would be uh, we are committed to practicing the spiritual disciplines and the development of personal spiritual formation uh, another one is we're committed to the team concept of working together as missionaries. And when the global uh, resource team, when we, dis when we described this competency of spiritual formation, we, um, we focused in on, uh, on the personal development, also, but also on the corporate development. And so uh, as a community of faith, we seek to enable one another to serve with the gifts we have, to mutually submit to one another and empower others for service. And sometimes that means managing conflict, loving those who are different than we are, forgiving and working together. Uh, they're all signs of, uh, of spiritual formation. And so today, um, whereas with Suzanne in an earlier part of the series, we talked about spiritual formation more as a personal discipline. Uh, today, we're going to just kick things off by examining a little bit, exploring um, this aspect of spiritual uh, formation in the context of team in the community. So... Uh, Aaron, uh, great to have you with us. Uh, looking forward to uh, to hearing what you have to say today in this conversation. Welcome. Thank you. And uh, it is, I'll be honest with you, it's a little nervous, more nervous, the one having to respond to questions than asking the questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, well, let, off we go. Let's, uh, let's get things kicked off. And uh, I'm going to, no softballs here. I'm going to go, I'm going to give you a, <laughs> give you a hard one uh, to begin with, but as we kind of explore a little bit this idea of, of, of spiritual formation in the community context and within team, I think the first thing that probably comes to mind would have to be conflict. Mm -hmm. um, one of the top reasons that missionaries uh, leave the field have to do with the interpersonal relationships. So uh, Aaron, in, in your time, your experiences uh, as a missionary, uh, what have you learned about conflict? Unfortunately, I think Pat, I've learned the 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 lessons I've learned about conflict. I probably learned the hard the hard way, and um, and uh, you know I didn't. I don't think I knew when we arrived in Burkina Faso what the importance of understanding what my family of origin and how my family handled conflict, how that would directly impact. Um, my the way I handled conflict on the field and and I think that's that's I learned a lot from Tisa, Lisa Turkhurst when she talks about are you a stuffer you know or do you do and that's honestly me I take it all in I hold all those things stuff it and build barriers and then I put all the rocks in my pocket and hold them all in there and then like in the movie Elf you know when he gets the snowballs you get you get the right moment and you just start firing them um, or, you know, that there's other people that are exploders when they get into a conflict, they just explode and then it's done. And I had never really processed that, um, when, before we got to Burkina and, um, I made some big mistakes, um, when it came to conflict and, um, I did not know who I was and I, and, and, 
And the reality of it is when it comes to spiritual formation, people say, well, what does this have to do with spiritual formation? It really had everything to do with spiritual formation. Because when I got to the field, you know, we, we got to Burkina, we went to France, we were in language school, we get to Burkina and I was disoriented. You know, I, I told Heather when we got there, I feel like I was playing that game where you put your head on a, on a, like a, a stick and you run around, run around, and then you, you look up and you're, you can't stand up. You don't know which way's left. You don't, what's raised up, down. You're just disoriented. That's how I felt when I got off the plane in Ouagadougou and Burkina Faso. Great people, great church, great mentor, but I was just disoriented. And I, I was in another country, another language, learning the basics. I couldn't drive in the ox carts, the mobilettes, all those things. I was just dis- disoriented. And what I realized is, Pat, as you shared, those spiritual disciplines that we that we um, we believe in, they became they became almost optional. It was almost and and I, it wasn't a, it wasn't a wise thing. But I was so overwhelmed with everything else that was going on that reading God's word, my time in prayer, uh, and fasting, it, whatever whatever spiritual discipline was, became almost like a secondary thing, and. Um, I was just overwhelmed. And I, I found in that time that the enemy, um, man, he had a heyday with me because I was disoriented and it was a great time for him to come in. And it's hard to um, effectively address conflict um, when you're disoriented because you, you don't know which way's up. You don't know which mm-hmm. way's left and right. And so, you know, when I thought about that and, and um, I began to think in the process, what's the kryptonite? You know, we talk about Superman and Superman. He was, he could do all things. But then when you put the kryptonite out there, he had to, that was the thing that weakened him. And I think the enemy used for me when I got to the field, he used this disorientation to really allow conflict to cause a lot more internal problems than, than it needed. And, um, and I think, as I mentioned, the, the, the kryptonite to this disorientation is coming back to the spiritual disciplines. It's coming back to saying, I'm going to spend time in God's word, whether I'm disoriented and I don't know what I'm doing here, but I'm going to come back to his word and be there. It, I think that is the the refreshing thing. Terry Walling writes in his book, Stuck, when he talks about transitions. So he's done 30 some odd years of studying on transitions. And he said, one of the first things to go for a Christian when they go through a transition is their abiding time or their time in God's word. Mm-hmm. So it's not just me. I think it's common, but I knew specifically for me, it, that's one thing that went. But to realize that that is the kryptonite when we don't know, we get to a new country, we don't know all the things we don't know, we can spend time in God's word and found our day on that. And I think as I walked through that, that really helped me um, in, in conflict. The, the second thing I saw, Pat, is is when we were there, there and even, even today, is when I'm disoriented, then I begin to doubt. And, um, you know, when you go into a conflict or situation and you're doubting, um, it's not, not that, not necessarily the best way to enter into conflict. And, um, because I began to doubt myself, um, am I seeing this situation right? Do I know, do I began to doubt who I was, my, my ability to process, my ability to think, my ability to look logically at a situation. And I was just, you know, I was stuck. And, um, then I began to doubt the relationships, my leadership and, and, uh, supporting churches. And, you know, you begin to doubt everything because you're disoriented. And then the mm-hmm. enemy, man, he just puts these little seeds of doubt. Um, and at least he did for me, he put little seeds of doubts in my um in my heart and my life and um and, and I didn't want I had itinerated Pat 
is the guy who was going to go to Burkina Faso and help people with HIV and, and care for people. I didn't go as the guy that's going to go to Burkina Faso and be disoriented and, stand, and then start doubting everybody. You know what I mean? But that was the reality. And there were days that I remember that all I could do uh, was like I was like a guy in water and all I could do was uh, – breathe through the breathe through my nose and mouth. And if I got through the day, I was doing good if I could do that. You know what I mean? And so those doubts came in. I, I doubted God. I doubted my call. All those things were coming in. And when you're walking in those relationships and you're trying to, to address conflict, to be healthy in conflict, um, man, it was tough. And so, you know, I found the kryptonite eventually on the long, long journey. I've been uh, looking at conflict in my life. The kryptonite that was just coming back to who can I trust? And obviously I can trust mm-hmm. in God. I can trust in his call. I can trust in healthy relationships and, um, and I could trust him and my colleagues and those people. I really could. It was seeds of the enemy that he was placing in my, in my heart and mind that was causing this distrust. But the, you know, the kryptonite to doubt it is putting the trust. And, um, um, Mike uh, Messner, you know, really, uh, so this tells you, uh, this has been an ongoing learning um, experience about a year ago. He said, how we develop trust is by trustworthy behavior. And I had to look around to see the people in my life that had trustworthy behavior. And all those people did, God, my family, my colleagues, my my leaders, they, they're, 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 their behavior was trustworthy, and it, but it was the enemy putting those seeds of doubt. And so it was just been a challenge when it comes to, to conflict. It, the, the third thing I learned in that, I think, Pat, was is um, how the distortion can take place when it comes to conflict. And I began to tell myself stories. Brene Brown talks about this, confabulations and, and um, conspiracy theories. You know, I'd tell my story. I'd, I'd rehearse, rehash. I like to run, Pat. And I'd be out on a run, and I'd be re, re, retelling me. A, retelling a story in my heart and in my mind and making it, you know, I'm, my parents would tell you, I've always been a storyteller, alligators and trees when I was a little kid, all these crazy <laughs> stories. But what that hurt when it came to conflict was, is I would begin to rehearse these conversations and then evangelically or whatever you want to call it, make it more than it really was. And that was the enemy using, using that. And he began to distort those. And then what happened is I really forgot what the truth was because I was believing the truth that I had told myself in those distortions that were far from where this all thing started. Um, but in this process, um, I struggled. I really struggled. And um, it's been a it's been an ongoing learning process. So coming spiritual formation, conflict. And so the kryptonite I found for this is, is speaking the truth, is speaking the truth in God's word. And when the when the devil began, the, Satan begins to, to put in these conspiracy theories, confabulations, whatever you want to call them, um, I had to come back with the truth. And the truth was I was called by God, standing on his word and um, coming back to actually what mm-hmm. happened, not the stories that I was telling myself. And, um, and I think the fourth thing on that is after being disoriented and after beginning to doubt and then after the distortions, then I've become discouraged. You know, I mean, I was discouraged and you, you want to say I remember Deltar came at a vital time in our, in our, our time. And he probably doesn't even remember being there, but, but Dell and Dolly, would, they came and they would spend some time in Wagga. And, um, he told me, he said, Aaron, your biggest problem is that airport. And, uh, he said, because you can get on an airplane and fly home and you'll be home in 24 hours. He said, when I came, there was a boat and he said, I did not want to get back on that boat. And he said, so I walked through a lot of these things. He said, I had the same concerns, the same struggles, 
but I didn't want to get back on that boat. And he said, your biggest thing when it comes to this is you can doubt and then you can get on a plane and fly home and make a big decision. And the enemy's won. You know what I mean? When it came to, and so I was discouraged, Pat. I I didn't, I I realized that I didn't handle conflict very well. I realized that this was something and um, just became discouraged in the process. And um, what was I doing here? Living in the Sahel, living in the desert and uh, a dry place. I always said in Burkina, if you're making sandcastles, that would be a great place to live. But other than that, you know, I mean, great people, the Burkina Bay are phenomenal people, but there was no safaris and all the things you think of Africa about. Um, but the kryptonite when I would discourage was, was learning to encourage others. And I found as I would go to the clinic and I would work with people that, 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 and that's why I love to care for people. I think by encouraging others, it helps me, it helps encourage me. It takes away the discouragement. Um, and it gets the focus off me. And um, mm. because my discouragement is a lot when it's, it's about Aaron. And so when I begin to encourage and focus on others, um, yeah, I think that's, that's something that's really helped me. And then um, just two, two more quick ones, Pat, is when it comes to conflict is, is the other thing the enemy has used in my uh, life to attack me, I think, is, is distraction. And uh, when I would get fed up with maybe some, maybe there's a conflict on a team, maybe it's conflict with a person, maybe it's conflict with a national church, maybe it's conflict with whatever, I begin distracted. And I love West Virginia football. And, um, you know, and that's not bad. But if I'm spending more time looking at West Virginia football than I am what God's called me to do, or maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's, it, it may be, maybe it's, it's focusing on something. But I do think the enemy, man, he'll use those distractions to just get you a little bit off course. And um, that's where, that's what he uses when I get get in a, conf- a conflict or situation instead of focusing on what God has called me to do those spiritual disciplines of coming back and spending time in God's word um, praying in the spirit man I you know I think that's one thing I learned being on the field was praying in the spirit when it came to being distracted just spending some time praying in the spirit um well, how it would refocus me on, on, on what really mattered. And the kryptonite for that is, is, is distraction, is focusing on what really matters and, and focusing on the power of the Holy Spirit, not being distracted by the, the things and the mountains that I couldn't climb and I couldn't do those things, but, but, but praying in the Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in each and every one of us when we have that, that indwelling. And so um, obviously that, that, and then the last one, sorry, is, is dividing. And, um, and that was the final, I think was the final stage for me, Pat, is when I would walk through all those other things when it came to conflict, the enemy's ultimate goal was to separate. And it didn't want reconciliation, didn't want healthy conflict, didn't want to manage that tension and, and whatever we want to, however you want to call it. Um, but it ended up, my relationships ended up divided and um, I ended up hurting people that, um, you know, that was not my intention, not my dream, but I, I, I just didn't, I didn't handle conflict well and ended up hurting people in the process. And, um, because, um, the enemy wants to divide us. He wants to separate us. Um, he didn't want me to communicate. He didn't want me to be committed. He didn't want me to be connected. He didn't want me to care. He just wanted me to be gone. You know what I mean? And the, the spiritual part of that, um, is this coming back to say we're united in Christ, we're united in, in him and um, some great people. So that's a long answer to a short question, Pat. But um, that's that. I think that's what I've learned in this process about conflict is the the way the enemy has, has used it in my life to cause some division rather than healing. Well, I, that's great, Aaron. I, I totally relate. And really, 
we probably shouldn't be surprised because uh, the first few pages of the Bible, uh, <laughs> we, we read the story of, yeah. uh, of, yeah, of, how, of how the serpent, uh, yeah. all of these all of these different elements that you talked about uh, into, into plan. And yeah. your story, certainly I, reso I resonate with it. I totally relate to it. My journey would be very, would be very similar. Yeah. Um, what would you, what would you say to, um, uh, so you, you were talking about this in terms of, uh, in your first term, yeah. um, how about as you've gone on in your missionary uh, journey, uh, and how how do these things surface um, for people who you know have been ex experienced and been out on the field for a number of years? Because I would venture to guess that uh, this is a uh, a lifelong journey for most of us. Pat, I'd say someday is it's an hourly journey for me. Um, and, um, to be very transparent and honest, um, it's a daily, it's a daily, and I can find myself falling back into these same patterns just a few weeks ago. And, um, I thought, man, Aaron, you're, you know, this, but I had fallen back into telling myself stories and, and building on stories that weren't really true. It wasn't true. I had to come back to what the truth was. The truth was not a, a rosy picture. It was a conflict. It really was a conflict. But the stories that I had allowed myself to tell myself, it were, were destructive. They were not towards the healing. So I guess the long answer to short question is, Pat, it's for me, sometimes it's an hourly, sometimes it's daily. Um, I go through seasons where I think, man, I, 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 I'm doing better um, when it comes to this. Um, I don't like conflict. It, it, this to be directly, I don't like conflict. Um, I've always found in my growing up, I found conflict to be destabilizing and um, in, in my life. So I always wanted to please people and cover it over. You know I mean? I didn't want the conflict. Um, but I do think I've learned to in, embrace the conflict a little bit more as I've matured and um, to be able to, to walk in it. Um, and I think that's the benefit of, of trying to grow in this area, Pat. Um, and then the other part of it is, is praying. I mean, I, I've said it before, but praying in the spirit that God will give me the courage, right? We pray, the Holy Spirit's to give us boldness. Um, I just don't want to be a, a bull in a china closet. But at the same time, I do want to have the courage to do what God has called me to do. And I don't have it myself. I've tried it on my own. I don't have it. So my only other option is to pray in the spirit and ask for the Holy Spirit to give me wisdom, discernment and courage um, to be able to walk in it. And I think that's kind of that. Well, that's not think it's not kind of that. That's where I'm at today. I, yeah, I agree. I, and especially during this time of COVID and yeah. lockdown yeah. and being isolated. Um, and so now more than ever, it yeah. becomes important to be, um, in the word and uh, listening to how God describes us yeah. uh, and, and not, you know, the lies of the enemy and, yeah. and speaking truth uh, to those lies. Um, yeah, that's, that's a great word, Aaron. And I think it's uh, boy, it's good for, for the missionary just starting out and yeah. for the missionary that's, you know, five and six terms on the field. Um, yeah. It's good for all of us. Um, let's talk uh, a little bit about, um, uh, uh, this element of spiritual warfare, because that certainly plays into uh, into conflict and management and into our, our own adjustment on the field and what we face every day as missionaries. So uh, moving from the American context uh, to Africa, what have you learned about spiritual warfare? 
Well, what I would tell you on this one when it comes, I'm definitely not the expert um, in any way, shape, or form, but I can speak when it comes to a boy who was raised in Wally Ford, West Virginia, who did not, uh, you know, spiritual warfare was just not, I grew up in a phenomenal family, mom and dad were prayer warriors, I mean, but spiritual warfare was just something, I went to Bible college, graduated from Southeastern, took a class on power encounters, and all, but at the same time, I'd never really been face-to-face with darkness and um and you know I, 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 we got to burkina and then i was sick with malaria and you know your burkina bay brothers and they're phenomenal they were phenomenal and um so i'm trying to kill mosquitoes and take medicine and you know they they said listen this is a spiritual thing this is you can do all that but this is a spiritual thing and um you know that was that was a lesson i, I remember we got to we got to madagascar and um doctor i work with a doctor his name's feast he's actually a great friend and he's a pastor now but we went out to the bush to do one of our first medical clinics and um he said that lady there she's deem- she, we don't want her to get in the back of the mobile clinic which is like a, a converted ambulance and um he said we don't want her to get in here because if she gets in here and we lay hands on to pray on her it's going to get crazy and i said no come on you know and he said i'm telling you you don't we don't want her in this mobile clinic he said let's go out and take care of her outside we'll pray for outside well hard-headed that i am um we bring her into the mobile clinic and of course we pray for everybody and and so we 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 laid hands pray man she was just like a cat that you know i mean that scalded cat kicking and screaming and shrieking and you know i mean and so he's telling i told you so i told you so i told you so you know the the whole time and um you know i could go on and on telling stories that some people would believe and some would not believe but i saw them with my eyes and i know that were true um and uh and i think that's what i've learned about it one it's real you know it's not just something you take a class on power encounters it's not some something that just happens there when you're face to face with it um it, it, you can't deny it. You, you know what I mean? And, uh, and I think that's, um, I'm not the guy that like runs in. I'm not the guy that runs in and, and, um, is casting out demons and, and, and that, and, and there are people that have that gifting, gifting. I, I don't, um, but I do know that 100% it's real. And, um, I think that was one of the first things that I had to come to terms with, not just real in a book, not just real in a class, not just real in something in a theory, but when I was face to face with it, undeniable, you know, undeniable. Mm-hmm. I, mean, th- I think the second thing as I learned in that, Pat, was it's consistent. It's not something just, it, it's there, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's ubiquitous. Let's say it's ubiquitous would probably be a good word. Um, you, it was everywhere, you know what I mean? And um, I think when, once my eyes began to look, you re- I realized, poof, there's a lot going on that um, I think I didn't want to recognize it. I did. I think I didn't want to recognize it because it made me realize how much more dependent I was on God. Now that's not a good thing for a missionary to say, but the reality of it is, if I had to acknowledge that it was there and it was consistent, the only way that I could overcome that was not by logic, not by my education. The only way was by the power of God living in me. And so to, to recognize, it made me realize how weak I was without Him. And um, and so the consistency of it being there. And I think the other thing, Pat, that if I learn, have am learning and have learned is to learn to lean hard on my brothers in the national church and sisters in the national church, because they have, 
more insight and understanding than I'll ever have in my lifetime. And um, Feast, you know, I, I told the story about Feast. You know, now I, I lean on him hard because he he has he understands. Um, I, I learn from him and continue to learn from him. But wisdom and insight that um, is so valuable. And so that would be my encouragement when it comes to spiritual warfare. Find a great uh, national church mentor or somebody that uh, a brother and sister in Christ that you can learn from and just uh, soak up, soak up their wisdom, their knowledge and their experience. And um, because it is it is real. It is consistent. And um, if we can learn from our national church brothers and sisters, um, I think it just is a it's such a blessing. And um, we ha- they have so much to teach us, teach us in that process. Yeah, that's great, Aaron. I, I agree completely. I, I think our African brothers and sisters, boy, they there's a lot we can learn from them about moving in the authority and the power yeah. uh, of the Holy Spirit, uh, especially in this arena of spiritual warfare. Yeah. Um, I, boy, I remember the first time I uh, I really had an encounter it was in Togo, and um, it was between classes at the at the Bible school there. I'd walked over to the church to talk with the church administrator or something. You know, we we're making arrangements for uh, something, some event. And as I walked into the church, uh, somebody yelled my name and said, "Watch out!" And before I knew it, this demon possessed guy was attacking me and jumped on me, and. And then other people in the church were on top of him and everybody was yelling and screaming and you know how it is. And and that is not the time for you all of a sudden to wake up and realize it's been a week since I've prayed. Yeah. Yeah. uh, (laughs) That's not the time whenever a demon's on you is to be getting caught up in your prayer life. Yeah. Uh, And I I was thankful that at that particular period and moment in my life, uh, I was abiding fairly well, yeah. you know, yeah. but again, just being yeah. honest and transparent, sometimes, yeah. you know, it ebbs and flows, oh, man. and you just never know when, yeah. um, when these moments are going to happen. Yeah. And, um, and, and so the, no, no, no. The, and the, and the enemy, and the, the enemy knows that, I mean, he knows it and man, he's, uh, I think the Pat, Pat, the big thing for me when it came to this was, it's John 10, 10, the enemy comes to kill, kill and destroy. I, I think I thought the enemy came to make my life difficult and, um, you know, slow me down in traffic and, um, you know, make make me spend a, a little bit extra money. But the kill, steal and destroy, that's I think when it came to this spiritual warfare thing, I had to come to recognition, kill, steal and destroy. It wasn't, like I said, it wasn't make, make you get the cold and make you, because you know, I had kind of dumbed it down that somehow he really was not after me. Um, and he was not after to, to take me out, but man, it, it, it's true. He's, he's the kill, steal, <laughs> destroy. And, um, it's unnerving. If we didn't have Jesus Christ in our hearts and lives, if, if we didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit, it, it's unnerving. And I guess that's, yeah, a lesson I continue to learn. Well, that was the first part of the podcast with me and Pat as we sat down. We normally end the podcast in prayer, so I just want to say a quick prayer for us um, before we, we head out. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to share honestly and transparently with God about who you are and what you've done in our lives. We give you all the glory and honor and praise. Until next time.